This morning I want to speak with you from Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 36, from the subject of the Lord's heavenly bread, the Lord's heavenly bread. We live in trying times uh, right now with the coronavirus and so many other uncertainties in our life. Love for God is being tested in these times of neediness and uncertainty. And we see some of that same theme in this chapter in Exodus 16. Exodus 16, verse 1, let's begin reading. They set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger." Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily." So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them at twilight, you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp, and when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it each one of you as much as, you, as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, 
Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat, and Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as they could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. I want us to speak first from these particular verses about we need God's grace in Jesus Christ every day. We need God's grace in Jesus Christ every day. Israel left Elim, a place where the Lord showed them his abundant provision for them in the bitter wilderness. An oasis of 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees sounds like a resort to me. They left Elim to go to the wilderness of sin, but they made one stop before they arrived in the wilderness of sin. In Numbers chapter 33, verses 9 through 11, Moses tells us that when Israel left Elim, they actually went back to the Red Sea and camped by the Red Sea. And this is significant because the Red Sea showed them better than any IMAX 3D high-definition surround sound theater could ever show them what the Lord had done for them how he provided for them, protected them, preserved them, and took pleasure in them. So their grumbling in the wilderness of sin, in light of the Red Sea, becomes even more corrupt and criminal. They saw what the Lord had done. They sang his praises. Then they trampled on his grace. Listen again to what they say. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. What could possibly make them think that being condemned and executed by God, as the Egyptians were, was better than their present circumstances? The Bible tells us what it was that they were thinking. It was their appetite, their physical appetite. In Egypt, they say, they set around pots of meat They ate bread to the full. Now, hungry, they believed Moses led them into the wilderness to kill them of hunger. They forgot it was the Lord leading them, providing for them, and preserving them. We do the same things. We forget what the Lord has already done for us. In difficult times, we exalt our desires and make them demands. And so often we don't really want to live unless our will is done by heaven on earth. We really want to use God and his power to satisfy our appetites sometimes. Not only this, but we have an infinite capacity to complain. We have perfected our ability to complain while smiling, joking, and sounding sweet. Eight times in this chapter, Israel grumbled. Israel's grumbling is mentioned eight times. We also do this, only we make it sound better. I was just being real with God with what I feel. I was being honest and transparent with God. 
What we really need to be is reflective of God. And think about what the Lord has already done for us. Give thanks to Him, praise Him, and believe the best of our Lord who promises us good in Jesus Christ. Jesus never complained about God, and that is why we need Jesus so much to save us from our grumbling spirit and our forgetfulness and teach us humility, childlike trust, and to walk in love for God and others. This is the very thing God was teaching Israel at this moment. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, Moses recounts this very moment in Israel's history, along with their 40 years of, of wandering. And he says there in Deuteronomy 8, 2, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. And here's the reason, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word, by all the produce that comes from the mouth of the Lord." Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. In Deuteronomy 8, it goes on to say that the reason why God does these things is because he has good plans for us in the end. But when those good plans and good purposes come, he wants us to have the character to be able to accept them and not worship them, but continue to worship him. The Bible says here that man shall not live by bread alone, which is a shorthand way of saying that we're not supposed to live based on our appetites and our desires at moments of difficulty or otherwise, but we're to live according to what comes out of the mouth of the Lord. It's interesting, when God first created man in Genesis chapter 2, when it's recounted there, that it says that God formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living creature. He breathed into man. You know, in John chapter 20, it says that Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Spirit of God. He breathed on them, having been raised from the dead, to give them spiritual life and spiritual purpose in life. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says that all Scripture is breathed out by God, the purpose of which is that we might live a life pleasing to God. The Word of God is what we need to feed on, just like the Israelites fed on manna, Jesus 
picks up on this very passage in John chapter 6, and he refers to himself as the bread of life. And when we come to him, we have life. And when we believe in him, we won't thirst. We won't hunger. And he goes into a long talk about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and kind of freaks out some of the Jewish people because they don't understand his point. And his point is not about the flesh. He says in verse 63 of that chapter that it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. And the words that he has spoken are spirit and life. And what Jesus is obviously pointing to is that is the word about the cross that word about his crucifixion, that word of the gospel, is what we must live on every day and how we must depend on him humbly, like children, trusting in him, responding to his love seen at the cross in order to love God and to love others, in order to daily feed on him. As Exodus 16, 19, and 20 says, Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. Moses is calling Israel to fully enjoy the provision of the Lord and not to store it up at this point out of fear that what will happen tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Enjoy what God has given now. Another point of application that comes out of that is Sometimes there's a fear to let go of things and share them with others. Because what will happen to me? And we get greedy. We start packing things up like pack rats. And that's what a lot of us are doing. That's what we see a lot of people doing. And we need to stop that. We need to share. We were encouraged by one of our deacons this week to think about the things that we have, the things we possess, and if there's someone who has needs that we would learn to share with one another in times like this. Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need will be provided for you. You don't have to worry and be anxious. It's actually a sin to stay worried and to stay anxious. Secondly, we all need God's gift in Christ every week. Not only do we need God's grace in Jesus Christ every day, we need God's gift in Jesus Christ every week. Look at verse 22. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each, and when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them and it did not stink and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall go you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long 
will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain, each of you, in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The Lord says in verse 29, See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. It is interesting that grumbling is referred to eight times in this chapter. It is even more interesting that the Sabbath is referred to eight times in this chapter. There is a clear connection. People who glory in God tend not to grumble against God. People who glory in God tend not to grumble against God. We need corporate communion with the Lord. We need to rest from our labors and trust in the Lord to provide. We need time to celebrate the Lord, remember Him, and understand He has set us apart for His kingdom purposes and to be pleasing to Him. We are headed for an eternal Sabbath in glory, and we need to rest in the reality that the Lord's work is primary, and all we do is founded on what He has done in Christ Jesus, His Son. We must never work our fingers to the bone as if the weight of the world is on our shoulders. This attitude tends to overwhelm and produce very bitter and angry people. God gives sleep to those He loves. It is vain to anxiously stay up all night and anxiously get up early in the morning as if all things depend on you. You need to trust in God. He's got you and your circumstances and your future, and He won't let you go. When God made man, He got zero help from man. When God made woman, man was fast asleep. When God sent Jesus, He did not even use a man. When God saved you from the greatest disease there ever was and ever will be, your sin, you did nothing. God wants you to believe in His ability to preserve, provide, and protect. We work six days based on the work of God in Christ. We take time away to worship and commune so we are refreshed with, the re refreshed with and reminded of the truth that God controls everything for our good and His glory. You who trust, all things must turn out for your good. It's guaranteed. Jesus is our rest. He said, did He not all who are weary and heavy laden come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When Jesus says that he's meek and lowly in heart, what he is saying is that he is the one who is crucified for us. It was that meek and lowly heart 
of Jesus, along with his love for the Father and his love for you that led him to humble himself on the cross in order that in view of Calvary, you might take his yoke, his yoke that because of Calvary is easy, and because of the cross, that light burden, and you might find rest for your soul. Knowing that you have found rest for your soul, your eternal soul has found rest. Knowing that is true enables you to deal with the physical traumas and the temporary difficulties that we face in this world. That your eternal destiny has been spoken for, has been covered with the blood of Christ, has been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You need not worry about today or tomorrow because your future has been written in the blood of Christ. Glory awaits you. Not only do we need God's grace in Jesus Christ every day, not only do we need God's gift in Christ every week, number three, we need God's gospel in Christ every moment. Look at verse 31. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I feed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna forty years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is a tenth part of an epith. We need God's gospel of Christ every moment. The Lord commanded some manna to be kept so others, the future generations, could see the bread and know God's love. They could see how God provided for his people in the past. This, this measure, this commandment, seeks to prevent the very thing with which this chapter began, Israel forgetting what God had done. He specifically brought them back to the Red Sea to remind them of his power and his love for them. But they grumbled and forgot all about it. And God was gracious. And we see that manna was to be kept to remind the future generations that the, love, that, that the, the Lord loves them and is on their side. He's for them. But it wasn't long. It wasn't long, according to Numbers 11, before Israel was sick of seeing God's bread. They were tired of it. They had a craving for Egypt again. They had a strong craving for Egypt's variety. 
Listen to what it says in Numbers 11. Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, as if they paid God for the manna he gave them, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Notice what they say, our strength is dried up. But what they should have said is God's strength is never dried up. And what they're saying here is actually a lie. Because in Deuteronomy 8, it says very clearly that their feet did not swell, their shoes did not wear out. They're lying about their experience because they want the variety of the world. They want what Egypt has to offer. Do you ever feel that way? That what God has given simply doesn't cut it for you? Well, the Lord killed them. He didn't kill all of them at this point, but some of them, a plague ensued, and God killed many of them. They thought that Egypt had a better offering than God's provision. What they failed to see is that God was training His people for godliness. Egypt was fattening them up for the slaughter, but they couldn't see it. Because of sin, we often can't see straight. When Jesus came, it says he had no majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. We didn't want to see the bread of God. The Jews could not stomach their Messiah crucified as an unclean thing, cursed and naked on a tree. But that is what sin does to us. It leaves us naked, cursed, empty, and abandoned. And that is why we need to see God's heavenly bread. We need to see Jesus' flesh torn and his blood spilled so that we might feast on him and be restored to communion with God. That vision of the bread of God, Jesus Christ crucified, gives us the grace to deal with the uncertainties, the wilderness below, the difficulties we encounter even today with this virus and the economy and everything's up in the air. Everything, it seems like, has been thrown up in the air and nothing has settled. We need a strong word of the cross to settle us in our souls and in our thinking that the greatest difficulty that we ever have experienced and ever will experience being separated from God, has been settled at Calvary, has been solved at Calvary. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who's going to separate us from the love of Christ that we have from God's hand? Nothing is the answer that demands to be shouted, nothing at all in all creation can separate us from the greatest thing possible, the love of God in Christ Jesus. That love guarantees everything for us. But we need patience. We need prayerfulness. We need to praise and think about what God has already done. This is a test. Let's pass it.
Let's pass it by trusting in Jesus.